Today on Bread for the Broken with James Grizzle, pastor of Calvary Chapel, Galveston. God's got this special place for your, all your prayers. He's never forgotten any of your prayers. He has a special place for those prayers. And not only that, but he has a special purpose for your prayers, which is incredible. Like nothing goes to waste with God. So we, we saw a couple of chapters back about how, you know, our, our prayers are, you know, kind of rise up to him and, and he, he captures those things. But here it says that he's going to take this gold incense burner, you know, scoop up a bunch of these prayers. When you read in the book of Revelation, it seems like there's so many things going on that it can be difficult to grasp everything that John is explaining. Sometimes we wonder if God even hears us when we pray. Scripture says that we can be assured that God does hear every prayer as they're lifted up to him. Our prayers are involved in the workings of the end times, and they have a special significance. In today's message, Pastor James reminds us how important our prayers are, even among all the events of the end times. Now here's Pastor James in the book of Revelation chapter 8, with today's edition of Bread for the Broken. Chapter 8, like I said at the very beginning, you do have the seven seals, okay? And that goes back a couple of chapters where you have the scroll. It's in the throne room of God, and, and nobody's worthy to open this thing. Nobody's worthy at all to open this thing. And so John's like weeping. John's losing it. And he's encouraged by one of the elders up in heaven. He's like, listen, it's going to be okay. Don't worry about it. See the lion of the tribe of Judah? And when John beheld him, when he looked at him, it was the lamb that was slaughtered, okay? So it's the line of the tribe of Judah and the lamb that was slaughtered. He is worthy to open up this scroll. So he began peeling off seals and was unfolding things that were going to be happening. So you got four horsemen that are going to be, you know, kind of cruising around. One's on a white horse, and we believe that one to be uh, the Antichrist, okay? Because he, he has a resemblance of... What, at least what we would think Jesus would look like showing up on a white horse. This is a bad guy. He's got a bow. He's got no arrows. Um, he's got a false piece uh, that he brings with him. And then there's three other riders that follow after him. There's pestilence, disease. There's death, famine. There's all the, it's chaos being poured out on the earth, okay? So the seals are being peeled back. They're being opened up. And then there was an intermission, a pause, before you get to the seventh seal, then we got to look at, you know, the, the 144,000 Jews from each tribe, and there's 12 from each tribe, 144,000 total. And those are Jews. Those are Jewish people. It's no other people group other than Jews, okay? I'll, I'll make that as clear as, as I possibly can. It means Jews. And these are going to be tremendous evangelists running all over the globe. Great revival taking place. Tremendous things happening. That's, that's in chapter 7. And then you get to chapter 8, and the seventh seal has to be broken off. And so that means when you break off the seventh seal, then that's going to open up for seven trumpets. And then you're going to get to the seventh trumpet, and then it's going to be bowls and, and all, this, all this crazy stuff. Now, there's two different ways to look at this. You can look at it, and most commentators, it seems like, believe that these are three distinct kind of events, right? Seals to trumpets to bowls. 
There are some other commentators who think that, because it's very common within Hebraic literature, you would describe one event three different times in three different kind of scenarios. So some people believe that, well, what's going to happen in the seven years in the tribulation is going to be really, really bad. That's why John, who's a, you know, he's a Jewish man who's writing this, is maybe using an old Hebraic style of writing, saying like, well, maybe there won't be seven, trump, you know, seven seals, seven trumpets, seven bowls, but it's just going to be all these bad things are going to be happening. Some people think that way. I tend to agree more so with the first guys, where it's going to be like seven seals. And then once you think it can't get any worse, there's seven trumpets. And then once you think it can't get any worse, there's seven bowls. And this is why I think that. I, I think the first part of chapter 8 really kind of clarifies that, at least to me it does. So look at verse 1. I'm going to read from New Living Translation. It says, when the Lamb broke the seventh seal. Okay, so we just went from this beautiful heavenly scene where God is wiping away everyone's tears and just beautiful martyrs that have been killed during the tribulation time and all that stuff. They're being comforted by God. It says, when the Lamb broke the seventh seal, there was silence throughout heaven for about half an hour. So 30 minutes of silence in heaven, uh, which is significant. It's, It's absolutely significant because we just went through well, basically, we've gone through Revelation 5, 6, and 7, where it's very descriptive of what heaven's going to be like in the throne room of God. And there's, a, there's basically a tremendous like, worship service that's happening 24-7, nonstop angels. The, you got the four seraphim that are around his throne. They're crying out, holy, 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 nonstop nonstop. The elders are falling on their face, and they're worshiping God, and they're singing their own song. And then you got the multitude of angels that are up there. They're singing their own song. You have the martyrs that are there, prayer of incense, all this stuff. I mean, it's just a rock concert to the greatest degree that any of us have ever experienced in our lives. And then the seventh seal is opened, and it all goes quiet. And it all goes quiet for half an hour. That's like uncomfortably silent right? That's like you're with a group of people, and if it's, if it's me up here, and then I just stop talking right now and don't start talking until 8 o'clock, it would get really uncomfortable, right? I remember listening to Chuck Smith. Of course, I had to listen to Chuck Smith. In Bible college, though, we were under the gun, okay? So we had a class, and it's called Chuck Tapes, and they were literal Chuck Tapes when we started out. Technology was slowly starting to, to kind of switch over. But, man, we had to listen to Chuck at speed and a half. We, you know, we put them in our little tape recorder or tape player, whatever those things are, cassette bins, and we had to put him on speed and a half because Chuck talks really slow. And not only does he talk really slow, but he does these long pauses in the middle of his teachings where he's saying something and he just stops. And he's smiling. He's just sitting there. I don't know what's going on. He's having some sort of conversation with the Lord within his head. He's just there, and then and he picks back up. And you're like, what's the, is this normal? That's, that's Chuck's style, and I love it. It's amazing. The severity of what's going to happen is like the silence. Why the silence? Because it's about to get really bad. It's about to get really bad really, really bad. Seventh seal is broken. There's just silence. Verse 2, it says, I saw the seven angels who stand before God, and they were given seven trumpets. 
Trumpets uh, oftentimes were, were, you know, used within, uh, the majority it seems like were used within warfare. Blasting, a, a, you know, a sound through the trumpet signified either um, a call to arms or the battle's about to begin or rally the troops, whatever you got to do. Um, I always think of Gideon and his army when I see trumpets, okay? Because that's what they fought with. Um, and it was the weirdest army ever, right? Starts off with a lot of people, and God's like, you got too many people. And Gideon's like, I'm not even a war guy. Like, I'm not even a general, and I know I don't have enough people. And God's like, you got too many people. Let's narrow this down. So he ends up with like 300 guys. And he's like, all right, so your weapons of choice, you got a, a torch that's covered with the clay pot, and you got a trumpet. Go get them. He's like, um, <laughs> this doesn't make, does this make sense to anybody else? Uh, God's like, don't worry about it. I got you. So I always think of like Gideon and, you know, the trumpet and the sound, the blast that's out there. So this is another thing, you know, um, some of the feasts are signified by the blasting of a trumpet. The most important trumpet sound we want to hear right now is the one that signifies we're out of here, which, is, which would be the sweetest sound to our ears. And hey, praise God, I think we are progressively getting a step closer each and every day each and every day. Don't get too distracted by what's happening in your own United States of America. Uh, there's a lot of stuff happening uh, out on the other side of the globe that um, pretty big players within the whole end times game are, uh, they're all getting together. They're all having powwows together and saying, hey, you know what? This Israel's a real big problem. This Israel's a big problem. We should do something about these guys. Um, so tension is growing. Tension is growing. All that means is this. Just keep your eyes, keep your eyes up, keep your eyes on the sky, ready to go whenever that trumpet blast happens. These guys are given seven trumpets. And uh, it says, another angel with a gold incense burner came and stood, stood at the altar, and a great quantity of incense was given to him to mix with the prayers of God's people to be offered on the gold altar before the throne. So a lot of individuals believe that this angel, this messenger that's being spoken of here, a lot of people believe that that's a reference to Jesus taking the prayers. Whose prayers? Are these our prayers? Are these the prayers of the martyrs who lost their lives during the tribulation? Yes. I'm going to say all of the above, okay? Because remember, God's got this special place for your, all your prayers. He's never forgotten any of your prayers. He has a special place for those prayers. And not only that, but he has a special purpose for your prayers, which is incredible. Like nothing goes to waste with God. So we, we saw a couple of chapters back about how, you know, our, our prayers are, you know, kind of rise up to him and, and he, he captures those things. But here it says that he's going to take this gold incense burner, you know, scoop up a bunch of these prayers. So he's going to mix them with the prayers of God's people to be offered on the gold altar before the throne. Verse 4, it says, the smoke of the incense mixed with the prayers of the saints ascended up to God from the altar where the angel had poured them out. Then the angel filled the incense burner with fire from the altar. This is all like all connected together and threw it down upon the earth and thunder crashed, lightning flashed, and there was a terrible earthquake. So I mean, you can envision this, I think, like put yourself up there, kind of like John. John's sitting up there, and he's just watching this take place, and he's like, what is going on? There's, you know, they, they're gathering up the prayers, and they're mixing it with the incense, and then you got the, 
And you got the smoke and, and all this stuff and into this little incense burner thing, and that thing gets thrown down to the earth, and then it's just, it, it's just chaos. You got thunder, and you got lightning, and then there's this terrible earthquake. Terrible earthquake. And, and what we believe is this will be an earthquake that will more than likely be felt by almost everybody. I mean, it, it's probably safe to say that it's, it's going to be felt by everybody. I mean, it's going to be a global, like in, to that degree, there is no, there's no scale for that. There's no scale for that kind of an earthquake. Um, and that's just, and that's terrifying in and of itself. I think if you've ever gone through an earthquake, you understand the dynamics of an earthquake. Earthquakes happen unexpectedly. You have no control within an earthquake at all. The earth is literally moving beneath you, um, and it's just panic, and it's just chaos. And so here, the rest begins to play out. Concerning the trumpets, the first four trumpets, it says, the seven angels with the seven trumpets prepared to blow their mighty blasts. The first angel blew his trumpet, and hail and fire mixed with blood were thrown down upon the earth. And one-third of the earth was set on fire. One-third of the trees were burned, and all the grass, all the grass was burned. Not a third of the grass, all of the grass. So here you got this, like, what in the world is going on? Is this falling from space, you know, and it's, is it hitting the earth? And this ice, uh, this, basically that's what it is. It's ice and fire. Well, that would sound like something that's coming from space, Right. And not some weird sci-fi thing, but like a frozen rock out there just crashing, burning through our atmosphere and hitting this planet. And a third of the earth is set on fire. One third of the earth is set on fire. That's, that's insane if you think about it. A majority of our planet is water. So it's talking about a third of, a third of the planet that is actually like land is burned up. So it's not like a third of the entire globe. It's talking about a third of like the landmass that can actually catch on fire. That's, that's a huge chunk of land. That's going to affect a lot of things. That's going to affect a lot of people. That's, in fact, that's going to affect the entire world. Okay, that goes without saying. Here's the thing, though. We read through some of this stuff, and this can be very, this can be like very dark, very depressing to a certain extent. It's only one-third. God spares two-thirds. Isn't that an amazing thing? Even in judgment, yes, there are people getting saved during this time, but by and large, the world is so hostile towards Jesus. And even in the midst of that, he's like, I'm only going to burn up a third of it, and I'm going to save two-thirds of it. That's called grace. (laughs) That's called grace. Because if it was us in his position, I think we'd be like, the whole thing gone. Like, just light it up, right? Like, let's just, why give them seven years? Why give them seven years? Hit the switch, reset in an instant. Well, that's not grace. That's not grace. So it's a third. A third of the trees on this planet, that's a ton of trees. That's going to affect all kinds of things concerning our climate, but also our oxygen levels, I would assume, would take a hit. You can't lose a third of your trees on this planet and not suffer some sort of effect upon your oxygen levels. I mean, that's a lot of trees. And there is no green grass, which means, so if there's no green grass, that's going to affect your food supplies, 
that is produced on this dry land. Everything, everything is going to get impacted during these trumpet blasts. So the dry land gets hit, trees are burned up, all the grass is gone. That beautiful yard we've all been working for, right? But you can imagine, even here, in a tropical climate, no green grass. No green grass. It's gone. It's gone. And what we, on the island anyways, we're, we're just left with sand, because that's all we have anyways, right? But it's all gone. That's a physical, uh, there's a physical ramifications behind that and all that good stuff. Here's the other thing that we don't really think too much about. When you look outside and you see green, what that communicates to you and to your brain is life, life, okay? So I can look out there right now, I can see a window and I see green grass. And what that means to me, what that communicates to me is health, life, right? Green, it's growing, it's alive, it's doing what it's supposed to do. But there will come a day when you look out a window and what once was life, what once was productive, is now dead. It's just dead. And that's going to have an effect psychologically on, on individuals as well, okay? There's a multifaceted type of impact that takes place when these trumpets uh, are blasted, okay? The second one, verse 8, it says that the second angel blew his trumpet, and a great mountain of fire was thrown into the sea, and one-third of the water in the sea became blood, one-third of all living things in the sea died, and one-third of all the ships on the sea were destroyed. Now, what is the sea? Is it the Mediterranean Sea? Because that's where John was. And anytime they reference the sea, they're generally always talking about the Mediterranean Sea. Is this what he sees? Is this the, is this the only body of water that gets affected by this mountain-type thing that gets cast into it? I don't know. I mean, it says all. And so uh, now all doesn't always mean all, okay? Now, I know you hear that said. That's not true. All doesn't always mean all, okay? It just doesn't. But let's, so let's just assume that this takes place in the Mediterranean Sea. That would be, even on that small of a scale, that's cataclysmic. That is absolutely cataclysmic. That affects um, three continents directly. And not only three, not, not only three continents, but three of some of the most populous regions of our planet are all affected by, even if it's just the Mediterranean Sea. You tell me a third of the food supply is wiped out of the Mediterranean Sea, lots of people are going to starve. That's going to affect a ton of people. I believe this is more of a global type thing. I can understand the argument of the sea, and that's the Mediterranean Sea and all that good stuff. I think that this is going to have an effect on the entire planet itself, because the logic behind that is, well, why would God focus all of his judgment and wrath just on this one geographic area when it's the entire world who has turned their back towards him? And actually, if well, we'll see not too long from now, but they've actually come together to fight against him. I'm of the persuasion that I, I think it's bigger than just the Mediterranean Sea, which, you know, just it magnifies it just that much more. A third of the, of the animals of the sea, they're gone. I mean, you can imagine what that would be like. The smell, 
would be just horrible, just rancid. We always envision just like, you know, little fish, you know, like the minnows and some of these other little school fish kind of things. They're all floating up on the surface. No, we're talking about like whales and sharks and dolphins and giant squids and whatever else may be living in that thing that is too big for us to even explore floating on the surface. Because I don't care how big the body of water is, when you have a third of its life that has been killed, you're going to see it. You're going to notice it. You're going to smell it. That's another thing of food shortage, right? So a third of the land has been burned up. And so it's like, well, so we can't get food from outside from the, from the dry land. So we'll just go to the seas. Well, yeah, tough luck, because the second trumpet just hit that one. And I would, I would say to, to bear in mind as well that all during this time, you already have somewhat of a food shortage going on with the plagues and pestilence and famines and all that stuff. And then you got this thing of like, you know, this mark of the beast where, listen, if you want to buy something, you have to have take this mark. And if you don't want to take this mark, then, well, you're, you're out of luck. You're out of luck. And oh, by the way, a, a loaf of bread is going to cost you a full day's wage. Unless you're rich, then you can have the oil and the wine and all that good stuff, Right. So you already have that's happening. That's like been playing out in the whole scenario. And now it's like food shortages is getting cut off. We know what that's like with toilet paper, right? Like, that's silly. That's the stupidest thing I've ever heard in my life. The shortage of toilet paper. That's dumb. Imagine when it's food. Imagine when it's like, and we've gotten close to that type of stuff. Imagine when it's food and all the food supplies are not just being they're not just being tapped out because people are hoarding. They're, being, they're just being decimated. Imagine how desperate people are going to get. Imagine how chaotic and crazy people will get then. Tearing down statues and all that stuff is going to be nothing compared to the anarchy and the chaos when people can't find food. And not only that, if you got a third of the Earth's land that's been burned up and everything, I'm just going to assume that a lot of your power is going out as well. A lot of your electrical is going to be going out as well. Oh, yeah, and you think you're safe on the water. No, you're not. Because look at this. I mean, it just keeps going, right? Third angel blew his trumpet, and a great flaming star fell out of the sky, burning like a torch, and it fell on one-third of the rivers and on the springs of water. The name of the star was Wormwood, or bitterness is literally what that means. It made one-third of water bitter. And many people died because the water was so bitter. So, I mean, it's just like, it's, it's just one crazy thing after another, and it's no more food. And then it's food from the dry lands, and, and your wheat, and your barley, and, and every, all the crops, and all that stuff. And then it's also the food that you can, well, at least we got the oceans. Well, no, you don't have the oceans. You might have some of the oceans, but the other two-thirds of the animals that survived, they're now out food supply too. So, I mean, it's going to, you know, it's going to get crazy on, on all sorts of levels. And then the one thing you thought was safe, well, at least we have water. You know what would be, what could be, nothing can ever be added to this, but... The one thing that probably would get most people's attention, because these are somehow we have a way of rationalizing out all this stuff. Hope to the hopeless, hopeless, red for the broken.
Revelation isn't just a dream that John made up to entertain or scare people, but yet I wonder what we feel about the last book of the Bible. John's vision of what he saw in the heavens offers many details and signs about what we can expect to come in the future. I take comfort in these words found in Revelation 21.4, And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying. There shall be no more pain, for the former things have passed away. Oh, what a glorious day that is going to be. Are you ready, friends, for Jesus to return? If you have questions regarding today's message, would you let us know by visiting breadforthebroken.com and submitting your question through email? We look forward to answering your questions and praying for you as well. There's loads of messages from Pastor James Grizzle to be found, so don't navigate away from breadforthebroken.com until you've perused them at your leisure. They're to help you grow in your relationship with Jesus, to encourage and uplift you as you navigate the storms that life throws at you, because we know how rough life gets sometimes. Are you looking for a church to call home, one that's genuine, simple, and uncomplicated? Well, guess what? You found it here with us at Calvary Galveston in Galveston, Texas. Every Sunday at 10 a.m. and Thursdays at 7 p.m., you can find us studying God's Word together. So, would you make some plans to come join us? We sure hope so. We trust that you've been blessed by this edition of Bread for the Broken. See you next time. Let me paint the picture of you, man.